The gospel lesson this evening comes from the gospel according to Matthew. It's chapter 26, verses 17 through 30, and this is on page 703 of the Pew Bible. And please stand as you are able for the reading of the gospel. From Matthew 26, we begin reading at verse 17. Now on the first day of unleavened bread, the disciples came... The disciples came to Jesus, saying, Where will you have us prepare for you to eat the Passover? He said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. And the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When it was evening, he reclined at table with the twelve. And as they were eating, he said, Truly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were very sorrowful and began to say to him one after another, Is it I, Lord? He answered, He who has dipped his hand in the dish with me will betray me. The Son of Man goes as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been better for that man if he had not been born. Judas, who would betray him, answered, Is it I, Rabbi? He said to him, You have said so. Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins." I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Father, these are your words. Sanctify us in the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. You may be seated. There are two gracious truths concerning the Lord's Supper that we must believe. Both of them were taught by Jesus when he instituted the Lord's Supper. And in order for us to receive this holy sacrament in a worthy manner, we must believe both of them. First, we must believe Jesus' words when he tells us what it is. It is his body and blood. And second, we must believe Jesus' words when he tells us what it does. It gives the forgiveness of sins. So these two truths, what it is and what it does. If you believe these two things, you may eat and drink in a worthy manner. If you do not believe these two things, it would be better to not eat and drink. For Scripture teaches us in 1 Corinthians 11 that you will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. And anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment upon himself. So this is a serious matter. You should believe Jesus' teaching of what it is and what it does. If you do not believe these things, it is better not to commune or Better yet, listen to Jesus' words, take him at his word, and then eat and drink his body and blood for the forgiveness of your sins. That, of course, is the best thing to do. 
On the evening before his crucifixion, Jesus celebrated the Passover with his disciples. We refer to this as Maundy Thursday. In reality, for Jesus and for his disciples, they considered considered it to be Friday already, and the very beginning of the Passover. While we officially mark days from midnight to midnight, the Jews marked days from sundown to sundown. So for them, a new day began at about 7 o'clock in the evening, about this time. That means the events we typically divide between Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday all happened on the same day. The Passover meal, the prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane, the betrayal and arrest of Jesus, the midnight trial before the high priest, the trial in the morning before Pilate, the beatings, the crucifixion, the death, the burial, it all happened on the same day. It all happened before the sun set on the first day of Passover. So when Jesus opens the Passover with his disciples by celebrating this meal, he is opening the day of his death. This is the beginning of Jesus' death day. The high point of the Passover was the meal on that first evening. It was a meal that remembered God's deliverance of Israel when they were slaves in Egypt. And this took place about 1440 B.C. On the evening before God led them out of Egypt, he commanded each household to sacrifice a lamb, paint the blood on the doorposts, eat the lamb along with unleavened bread and bitter herbs, and stay safely inside until the morning. That night the Lord passed through Egypt and killed all the firstborn males, both of man and of beast. But he passed over every house that had the lamb's blood painted on the doorposts. Thus God passed over his people when he judged Egypt. He gave them an opportunity to flee the country, and he gave them a sign that looked forward to Jesus. The result in 1440 BC was that the people of Israel were freed from Egypt, and they belonged only to the Lord. And then God instituted this Passover meal as a yearly remembrance of his deliverance. And this is the meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples on the evening before his death. But Jesus was about to give it new meaning. Or perhaps it would be better to say that Jesus was about to reveal the true meaning of it, which had always been there, but had been kind of hidden until now. Now there is a a specific liturgy to the meal that the host would walk all the participants through. That is, each part, it was arranged in a specific order. Jesus, he was obviously the leader of this Passover meal, and he was guiding his disciples through each part. There were appointed times to sing psalms at the beginning and at the end. Um, There were appointed times to to drink various cups of wine or to eat various things like uh, the bitter herbs or the unleavened bread or the lamb. And all these things, they took place in a certain order. And all the households, they practiced it the same way. But Jesus breaks the liturgy of the Passover. And he makes it all about himself. While they were already eating, and presumably already had the bread of the Passover, Jesus picked up bread again at the wrong time. And he speaks these words that, we're not supposed to be in the Passover liturgy. And it must have caught the disciples off guard. This was different. What is Jesus doing? Doesn't he know the liturgy? 
Well, of course he does. But he's instituting a new liturgy, one that is all about himself. He takes bread. After blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples. And then he says the most unbelievable thing. Take, eat, this is my body. Luke's gospel adds the words, which is given for you. So you're saying that this bread is your body? That's right. And you want me to eat your body? Yep. Why? Because it's a gift to you. Okay. Then Jesus picked up a cup of wine. After giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said something that was equally unbelievable, yet also true. Drink of it, all of you. For this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Now you're saying that this wine is your blood? That's right. And it's poured out. Yes. Kind of sounds like you're going to die. Yep. And if I drink it, I have the forgiveness of sins? Most certainly. Okay, then. So Jesus turned the Passover into something else. He handed his disciples bread that is his body and wine that is his blood. They ate it and drank it, and they received the forgiveness of sins. And thus Jesus instituted this sacrament to be repeated often, not just once a year, but often as a remembrance of him. Then Jesus closed the Passover liturgy with a hymn, and he proceeded with the rest of the business appointed for his death day. In order for this sacrament to be what it is and do what Jesus says it does, Jesus had to proceed to the cross. His death, of course, is what makes all of this work. The Lord's Supper, it's not some kind of magic, hocus-pocus event where the incantation of certain words magically makes our sins disappear. That's not what it is. It works because of the cross. It delivers the body and blood of Jesus that was crucified and risen to us personally. That is why it forgives sins. The power is not in the words alone, but in the cross. The words are powerful because they bring the sacrifice of the cross to you. And this must be received by faith. In order to receive this sacrament in a worthy manner, there are certain things you must believe. Every time we participate in the Lord's Supper together, we begin the Lord's Supper part of our liturgy with an exhortation, that is, instructions of what we must believe and do in order to receive the sacrament in a worthy manner. And I think it's easy for us to, to treat those words as kind of just a formality and not really listen to them. But they are not a mere formality. I mean, nothing in our liturgy is a mere formality. I am fully aware that our communion services can become quite long. And if we could think of something that doesn't really need to be there, we would get rid of it. But when we look at each part, we say, no, that part is worth the time it takes. And the exhortation that we read before communion, it's one of those things. It takes a few minutes, it pushes everything back, 
But it's important for us to hear it because the stakes are so high with the Lord's Supper. The exhortation includes some very important instructions. In fact, Scripture warns that if you ignore those instructions, the Lord's Supper could actually be harmful to you. In order for the body and blood of Jesus to give you what Jesus promises, you must receive them in a worthy manner. To eat and drink in an unworthy manner only causes further judgment to come upon you. And we don't want judgment to come upon anyone. So we tell you, in the clearest way we know how, what you must now believe and do in order to receive this holy sacrament in a worthy manner. So what does it mean to receive the sacrament in a worthy manner? Does it mean that I have to do certain things to become worthy? Does it mean that I have to clean up my act first? What if I am just too sinful to deserve this holy sacrament? What does it mean to receive it in a worthy manner? First, it does not mean that we ourselves are worthy. We are not worthy, okay? None of us deserve the Lord's body and blood. That's the whole reason why we need it. Forgiveness, life, and salvation are given to unworthy sinners when they eat and drink in a worthy manner. So it's not the person who is worthy, it's the manner in which the person receives it that is either worthy or unworthy. So in order to receive the Lord's Supper in a worthy manner, there are two things you must believe, and then there are two things you must do. We'll start with what we must believe. First, we must believe that it is what Jesus says it is. That is, we must believe that it is the true body of Jesus and the true blood of Jesus. Sometimes we get funny looks when we try to explain this to other Christians. They might say, so you actually believe you are eating Jesus' body and drinking his blood? And we would say, yes, that's what Jesus says it is. So we take him at his word. And if they say, but that's not possible, then we say, well, of course it's not possible. But that's not the point. It's also not possible for the whole deity of God to dwell in human flesh, but that happened. We call it Christmas. Now, we might have all sorts of questions about how this works, and that's okay. We should be so captivated by this mystery that we want to know all about it. But at some point, we just stop and take Jesus at his word. His bodily presence in the sacrament is a miracle. And no one knows how miracles happen. They just happen, and that's why we call them miracles. It is Jesus' body, and it is Jesus' blood, because Jesus says it is. It's that simple. It doesn't mean that we eat him up like cannibals. When you take the piece of bread in your hand, it's not a, a tiny piece of Jesus' flesh that's given to you. It is his body. And it's still bread at the same time. When you eat the bread, you receive all of Jesus' body that was given for you. And when you drink the cup, you receive all of Jesus' blood that was poured out for you for the forgiveness of sins. It's not like you get a little piece of Jesus. You get all of Jesus. And with him, 
you get all the benefits of his redemption. So this is the first truth that you must believe. It is what Jesus says it is. And here's the second truth that you must believe. You must believe that it does what Jesus says it does. That is, it forgives your sins. And again, we are simply taking Jesus at his word. Concerning the bread that is his body, he says, given for you. And concerning the wine that is his blood, he says, poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. It's simply a matter of taking Jesus at his word. When we receive his body and blood, we receive everything that he has accomplished with that body and blood. Right after instituting the Lord's Supper, he went and he gave his body into death for us. And he poured out his blood for the forgiveness of sins. That is what he did to make the Lord's Supper what it is, to give it the power of forgiveness. He went to the cross. The Lord's Supper works because it takes that body and blood that was crucified and risen and gives them to us. That's why it works. When we look at the cross, which we focus on especially tonight, we are reminded of what Jesus did on his death day. That cross is a symbol that reminds us of his crucifixion. And not just his crucifixion, but also his betrayal, his trials, his beatings, the mockery, the death, the burial, and even the resurrection. It is a symbol that reminds us what Jesus did to accomplish our salvation. And that is good to have that symbol there, right? But that is not the real cross. It's just a symbol of the one that Jesus died on. However, on that altar, the one you're looking at right now, we will find the true body and blood of Jesus. And through that bread and wine, God forgives our sins. We believe this simply because we take Jesus at his word. That's all there is to it. The Lord's Supper is what Jesus says it is, and it does what Jesus says it does. Those are the two things that we must believe about the Lord's Supper. And then Jesus gives us two commands. But do not worry, these are not burdensome commands. They're the most gracious commands you will ever hear. The first one is simply eat. And the second is drink. That's all. Jesus has prepared this feast of salvation. And he invites you now to come and receive everything he has accomplished for you. This is his body given for you. This is his blood poured out for the many for the forgiveness of sins. Come, eat, drink, and live forever. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.